today. My name is Mike, one of the pastors on the team. I just counted an honor that we get to pursue the presence of the Lord together and uh, worship and learn from His Word and just be on the journey spiritually together. So it's a, it's a great honor to be with you this morning, and I know some of you are joining us online, and we're excited about that as well. Why don't you do this? Grab your notes out of your handout, and you'll see that we're launching into a new series today. It's called Living the Dream. And, uh, and, and very, very excited about what it is that God's stirring in us as we want to share sort of the direction for this series. So here's the deal. It's a four-week series. I want to invite you to come back every single week because the series builds on itself each and every week. So this week, we're going to sort of go after an introductory kind of a launch into this concept of dreaming and, and the fact that we have a dream within us. And then we'll sort of hone and refine that over the next few weeks. And next week, we're talking about what happens when our dreams get broken and kind of unpacking that. And, and the whole idea is that we would live the dream that God has given us. So very, very excited about what God's stirring. Please join us for the entire series. I just want to begin with a recognition that when you were a child, you dreamed all the time. Right? In childhood, we have 30, 40, 50 dreams before breakfast every day. Right? And, and as a kid, you just naturally, you dream that you would make an impact. You dream that you would save somebody's life or change the world. Or, you know, if you're a boy, the chances are great that you took a towel and two corners and you tied it around your neck and you dream that that towel made you able to fly. Just out of curiosity, how many of you leapt off of an unsafe height when you had a towel wrapped around your neck? Anybody? Yeah. You're the ones who are like limping today, right? Yeah. Exactly. This idea of dreaming, right? It's so universal. It's, so, it's just a part of what it looks like to be human. And I love that we're launching into this series because um, we've got to recognize sort of where we are in our nation. It's the beginning of a new year. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, we celebrate him uh, on this weekend and his I Have a Dream speech that, that's going to probably go down in history. And, and so just a lot of stuff going on with this. But let's talk about what a dream is. So uh, I'll, I'll show you the definition, at least a, a few parts of the definition of a dream. A dream is a succession of images, thoughts, emotions passing through the mind during sleep. Some of you, uh, you don't dream. Some of you don't remember dreams. But, but this is the idea of in your sleeping, you've got these images going through your head and they don't make any sense or not sequential. And, and you find yourself doing all kinds of crazy, radical things. And some of you, you're like, I, don't, I never dream. And then I watched the movie Inception and now I never want to dream. Like, all that stuff. So that, that's kind of the deal. It's what happens going on in here when you're asleep. The fourth definition is an involuntary vision occurring to a person when awake. We're going to talk about some of that over the next few weeks. What happens when even though we're, we're not sleeping, we're, we're in our waking life, suddenly a vision is, is pressed upon us. And the fifth definition of a dream is a vision voluntarily indulged in while awake, a daydream, a reverie, this idea that we would sort of kind of go back again and again in our minds to some vision, to some fantasy type of a thing, and continue to dwell on it. And of course, you don't even need those definitions because most of us are familiar with Walt Disney, the king of dreams, and he says, a dream is a wish your heart makes. Or at least that's what they sing in the movie Pinocchio, and uh, we've memorized that. A dream is a wish your heart makes. 
I'll continue. Uh, but this idea of dreams, it, it, they can range to and fro. They can range big and small. They can range humble and extravagant. And as you start thinking about dreams, you realize that some may have dreams to be president of the United States or king of a nation, to win a Super Bowl, to win the lottery, that you would own a tropical island, you know, those kinds of things. Others of us have dreams that are much different. And, and they're, they're still good dreams, but they're, they're smaller in scope, like the dream of getting through a day without a fight with a spouse. A dream of not having to wonder where the next dollar is coming from. A dream of being satisfied with your current relational status. Those are dreams. Then others of us, we recognize that God's stirring in a way that is developing kingdom-shaped dreams in our hearts. Bringing the hope of Jesus maybe to a village overseas who's never heard his name, or, or leading your family to believe in Jesus. But what I want you to understand as we jump into this series is regardless of the tenor of your dreams, you need to realize that they're universal. All of us have dreams. And if you're filling in the blanks, that's the first one, that we are all dreamers. Every single one of us. It's, it's a part of what it looks like to be human and to be made in the image of God. You know, we've talked about God dreamed a dream, and out of his dream, all of creation was birthed, and we are made in his image, and so we have dreams. We're all dreamers. And today, we celebrate, you know, a little bit, we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day and the mark that he made in the civil rights movement in America, and and it's interesting that the speech that will go down in history, right, that, that, that'll probably be the most memorable moment in this man's life and contribution, we call it the I Have a Dream speech. And it's interesting to note that it wasn't I have a strategic plan. Uh, I have formed an exploratory committee speech. Like, none of that. No, it was the I Have a Dream speech, and it just caught. It just caught, and it resonated, and it moved, and so I'll just read you a few lines from that speech today. Again, it's in, in honor of where we are in history. He said, I say to you today, my friends, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted within the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And he, uh, it obviously, in a, in a very eloquent and a very passionate way, he delivered this speech, and it, it literally, it, it was transformative in the way in which he not only had a dream, but he was able to communicate and captivate a, a nation with his dream. And so I, I, I just, as we think about sort of what that looked like in America, it, it was the dream that, that there would be these boys and girls that would be birthed in a world, in an American society, where they wouldn't be judged by the way that they looked or the way that they dressed or the color of their skin, but they would rather be valued on the content of their character. It's a great dream. 
a dream that there would be an access, there would be an equality, there would be a freedom and a space, and that all, because of brotherhood and harmony, would have same as, uh, access rather to prosperity and, and to this idea that we are all created equal. And, and I want you to understand that that's an incredible dream. And one of the reasons it's incredible is because it's not just about propping one man's ego up. And it's not just about one person benefiting from one dream. What it is is it's a dream that benefits all. And it brings a, a corner of heaven to bear here in this fallen kingdom called earth. The kingdom actually comes to bear and I want you to hear me say that every night when I tuck my three children in bed, I personally say thank you that he dreamed that dream and that so many of you joined him in dreaming that dream and that now his dream is unfolding. We've still got a ways to go as a nation, but every night when I tuck my kids in bed, I see the benefit of his dream in my own family. So it's just a beautiful thing about how God works and how God moves and uses dreams. And, and what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the fact that not only are dreams universal, but I want you to see that even the very aspect of dreaming dreams is a positive thing. So today what you're going to hear from me is that I'm going to be a permission giver and I want to encourage you to dream dreams. I want, I want to encourage you to stir that up in your own heart. And I've got a video to show, and I want you to see how this, in this video, the very fact that people are set free to dream brings a positive momentum in society. So go ahead and watch this. Now, I live in New Orleans, and I am in love with New Orleans. My soul is always soothed by the giant live oak trees, and I trust a city that always makes way for music. I feel like every time someone sneezes, New Orleans has a parade. <laughs> the city has some of the most beautiful architecture in the world, but it also has one of the highest amounts of abandoned properties in America. I live near this house, and I thought about how I could make it a nicer space for my neighborhood. And I also thought about something that changed my life forever. In 2009, I lost someone I loved very much. Her name was Joan, and she was a mother to me. And her death was sudden and unexpected. And I thought about death a lot. And this made me feel deep gratitude for the time I've had. And brought clarity to the things that are meaningful to my life now. But I struggle to maintain this perspective in my daily life. I feel like it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day and forget what really matters to you. So with help from old and new friends, I turned the side of this abandoned house into a giant chalkboard and stenciled it with a fill-in-the-blank sentence, Before I die, I want to... So anyone walking by can pick up a piece of chalk, reflect on their lives, and share their personal aspirations in public space. I didn't know what to expect from this experiment, but by the next day, the wall was entirely filled out, and it kept growing. And I'd like to share a few things that people wrote on this wall. Before I die, I want to be tried for piracy. LAUGHTER 
Before I die, I want to straddle the international dateline. Before I die, I want to sing for millions. Before I die, I want to plant a tree. Before I die, I want to live off the grid. Before I die, I want to hold her one more time. Before I die, I want to be someone's cavalry. Before I die, I want to be completely myself. So this neglected space became a constructive one, and people's hopes and dreams made me laugh out loud, tear up, uh, and they consoled me during my own tough times. It's about knowing you're not alone. It's about understanding our neighbors in new and enlightening ways. It's about making space for reflection and contemplation and remembering what really matters most to us as we grow and change. So on the way in today, I hope that you noticed that there was a 30-foot-long chalkboard set up in our hallway. And the statement on our chalkboard is, before I die, my dream is. And you probably saw several people filling in the lines on your way in. And, and the first service at Overlake, they're a very nice and kind and respectful service. So they filled in all the lines. <laughs> so I want to give you permission to write outside the lines. And on your way out today, I want you to write up on the top and on the side and in between the lines and below the lines. And I want, I want to give you permission to fill up that chalkboard with your dreams. And, and I hope you saw that some of the dreams were silly, some were fanciful, but some were incredibly meaningful on that page. And, and I'm sure that's going to be true in our context as well. And so today, again, without any thought of editing dreams or sculpting dreams, we're going to take a few weeks to do that. Today, I just want to give you permission to dream. And I, I want to give you permission to just recognize what dream is stirred in your heart and, and what it is that, that you keep coming back to again and again and again. And in fact, that's one of the definitions that I want you to kind of wrestle with. What, we, as humans, we have these abilities to have desires all over the place. And sometimes you watch a commercial and you think to yourself, oh, that'd be nice, you know, I'd like to have that truck, or I'd like to have that thing, or I'd like to do that, that experience, or whatever it was. That doesn't mean it's a dream in your heart. That could be just a passing fancy. What I'm talking about with a dream is something much more substantial, and it's much more core to who you are. And so if you would, kind of think about a dream in, if you want to think about it in the Disney context, it's a dream is a wish your heart makes and makes and makes and continues to make again and again. Um, the definition that I would love for you to think about this week is a dream is like fire within you. It's like fire in your bones, right? That you can't get over it, that it continues to burn, it continues to smolder, that it continues to ignite who you are. And the way in which I want you to think about it, it's a little bit like Jeremiah. And I put a verse on your notes. This is from Jeremiah's life. And what you'll see is his dream and God's call on his life were the same thing. But this is what Jeremiah says, verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 9. If I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it, right? 
Well, that's a beautiful picture of a dream. That was his calling. It was also his dream. That God's word burned within his heart. There was like a fire in his bones. He tried to hold it in. He couldn't hold it in. It just kept coming out. And some of you, you've got a dream in your heart, and you talk about it, and you think about it, and you doodle about it. You might write out a a game plan about how you could do this, and then you're like, ah, forget it. You throw it away. But then it keeps coming back. It just keeps coming back. You've talked about it. Your spouse says, oh, honey, we've talked about that before. We've heard that story before. We've talked about that dream before, and you just keep coming up again and again and again. It's like fire in your bones. You try to put it out of your mind. You can't. That's a dream. And it's important to recognize what's going on in your life, what it is that God is stirring over the context of that dream. I also want to give you another caveat. You might want to write this down. Nurturing a dream in someone else's life is an important part of fulfilling your own. Nurturing a dream in someone else's life is an important part in fulfilling your own. And this is one of the incredible gifts that God has given us when it comes to our interaction. This is one of the reasons why we keep pushing life groups. Because we realize that together in relationship and love and support, that we can nurture one another's dreams. Our words can birth a dream. We can encourage a dream. All these things are a reality in uh, community, in relationship with one another. And so, yeah, I want you to realize that nurturing a dream in someone else's life is an important part in fulfilling your own. I remember when I was young in ministry, I've been in ministry for 21 years, but maybe it was my fourth year, fifth year in ministry. I was having coffee with an older gentleman, kind of a mentor in my life, and he said, Mike, every time I hear you speak, I say to myself, I can't wait to read that guy's book. And I said, oh, bud, I haven't written a book yet. And he goes, I know, but you will. A way to birth a dream, right? Uh, my friend Danny was dreaming about starting his own video uh, production studio. It's called the Ranch Studios. And so he dreamed about what this studio would be like and the services it would provide. And he met with dear friends of his and kind of shared his vision for what that looked like. And in love, they said to him, Danny, I know your talent. I know your skill. I know what you can bring to the table. They said, Danny, this is a good dream, but it's, it's not good enough. You need to set your sights even higher. And they helped him sculpt a dream that was truly transformative in other people's lives. And he's flourishing now. And it's amazing to see um, how friends can birth a dream, how friends can encourage a dream, help it to be a true dream that's worth pursuing. Uh, how, uh, I'm curious, it's kind of a, a known storyline in our culture today, but how many of you are familiar with either the book or the musical or the movie called Les Miserables? Anybody familiar? Show of hands. Yeah, so m- most of us. Uh, it, it's an incredible story. It's a good musical. The movie just came out on Christmas Day, and, uh, and that was fun. I've seen it. I took my wife on a date night that was the most teary date night we've ever had. And uh, you just need to know Hugh Jackman does a good job of the, the main character, Jean Valjean. And Hathaway does a phenomenal job. Russell Crowe does not do a good job. Uh, just so you know, I love him. Good actor, gladiator, great movie. Uh, a singer. <laughs> Anytime I can sing better than the person on the screen, that's not a good scenario. Just saying. So uh, fortunately, his character dies. Spoiler alert, right? Uh, but... Uh, so, um, in this story, uh, the, the main character is uh, Valjean, and he's been a criminal and, and been convicted and, and served 19 years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread, and now he's on parole. Everywhere he goes, he has to declare that he's a criminal and that he's done tw- almost 20 years of 
hard time, and, and uh, he dreams about starting a new life. That's his dream. He dreams about having another name. He dreams about not being judged everywhere he goes. He's starving, and he's freezing cold, and, and then he comes to a church, and he meets a priest, and the priest invites him in, and he takes care of him, and he feeds him, and he provides him a warm bed to sleep in, and Valjean uh, returns the kindness by stealing the man's silver. So he steals all the silver from the priest, and he runs off into the night, and he gets caught by the police, and they bring him back to the priest, and they say to the priest, what a ridiculous story this criminal has told us. He's told us that you gave him all of this silver, that he didn't steal it. You made a gift of it. And the priest looks at the police officers and says, that's right. I gave him the silver, but my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot I gave these also. And he gets the candle holders that are ornate and silver and worth more than all the rest of it. And he puts them in his bag as well. And so the policemen leave, and then the priest says to Valjean, the criminal, I have bought your soul for God. Go and, and be free. And he births the dream. He purchases the dream. He encourages the dream in Valjean's life. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. We have the ability to do that as well. I heard a story, and honestly, I, I think it's true. I'm, I'm not entirely sure it's true. I can't wait to, to find out if it is true or not. But it had to do with Martin Luther King Jr. on the day that he gave his speech. And the story is that he presented most of his speech. He, he gave most of his speech, and then he stepped away from the microphone. And one of the people who was on the podium with him was a singer, a gospel singer named Mahalia Jackson. And she turned to him and whispered very urgently, Tell them about your dream. Tell them about your dream. And so he stood back up to the microphone and he finished his speech, the speech we know of as the I have a dream speech. But it was someone who encouraged him to do so. Friends, what an amazing reality. We have the ability to nurture someone else's dream and that's always gonna be a part of fulfilling our own. And so what I want to do in this series and what I want to do today is I want to, we're going to take a look at some dreams that are found in Scripture. These are daydreams, these are night dreams, but these are, we're going to analyze some ways in which God uses dreams to help us to dream his dreams. And we're going to start with a, a man named Jacob. You read about Jacob in the book of the Bible called Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible. And Jacob is one of the fathers of our faith. But when we first meet Jacob, he is not very impressive. The Bible says that God chooses to love Jacob. And I believe that because Jacob was not very lovable. He was, he was a twin. He was the second-born twin, an ambitious twin. And so because of this, he was conniving and scheming and plotting. And, uh, and, and it, it, was, it was a mess. It caused a mess. And because of who he was, his, his father kind of rejected him. And his mother was domineering over his life. And he was in constant competition with his older brother, only a few minutes older, but his older brother named Esau, who was good at all kinds of things that Jacob was horrible at. And so that, that kind of dynamic was going on. And Jacob had a dream. He had a dream that he would be blessed. And he had a dream that he would have a good future and instead of waiting for God to fulfill his dream, Jacob took his dream with both hands, and he stole it. And he stole it from his brother Esau. 
He stole his brother's birthright, and he stole his brother's blessing. He took the future away from his brother, and he took it for himself. This is not very good. These things are horrible in character. Uh, That's why I said God chose to love Jacob. He chose to honor Jacob. He chose to meet Jacob. But understand that when Jacob stole all this from his brother, it caused pain across the board. It caused pain between he and his brother. It caused pain between uh, the relationship that his mom and dad had. It caused pain between him, him and his father. And it also broke the relationship he had with his mom. Because Jacob had to flee his family and flee his homeland. And he's running for his life. And he's off in the wilderness. And he is completely alone and isolated. And yes, he's stolen the future for himself. But he has sacrificed everything in the process. And it's in the midst of that scenario that God decides to show up and give him a dream. And so this is what the scripture says. Here we are, we're in Genesis, it's uh, chapter 28, verse 10. It says, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and he went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he laid down in that place to sleep. So he took a rock and he fluffed it up and he called it a pillow, right? That's, he's camping out under the stars. It says, then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. Some of your translations might say a stairway. A, a ladder or stairway was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. This is the stairway to heaven that you've heard about, right? Stairway to heaven. So, and there were, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold, The Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This powerful promise. Now look at this. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. What a promise, right? What a message, what a dream Jacob has. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? That's if you're Californian, Uh, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. By the way, Bethel means house of God. House of God. But the name of that city had been loose previously. So Jacob's dream was of a ladder and angels, but God's message was, I am infinitely nearer than you think. I am infinitely near. I am accessible. I am blessing you, and I am with you. Jacob wakes up, and he says, the Lord was in this place, and I never knew it. How often is that true in our lives today? How often is that true? God is with us. He is nearer than we can imagine, and we don't even recognize him. Jacob calls that the house of God, but the reality is the house of God is everywhere. And everywhere we go, God is with us. 
Jesus comes to earth and his title that is given is Emmanuel. You know what that means. It means God with us. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, two of his disciples are walking along the road to Emmaus and a third joins them and they begin to talk about the scriptures and this unknown, mysterious traveler begins to talk about how all of the scriptures point to Jesus and then he disappears and the disciples realize that was Jesus with us. And they say to themselves, how incredible that our hearts were burning within us as we talked with him. They didn't even recognize Jesus in their midst. Friends, it happens again and again and again. And so today what we want to do is we want to remember some core truths about what it looks like to dream the dreams that God has given us and to trust the dreams in our hearts to the Lord. And there's some reasons why we can trust God with our dreams. And the first, really simply, is that God is here. God is right here. Here, he is right now. God is with us. And this was such a great promise to Jacob. It was so comforting to him personally because you have to imagine that Jacob realized that he was a swindler and that he had been a scoundrel and that there was no claim that he had on God in that moment. There was, there was no merit that he could say, God, I have earned your love. I have earned your presence. I have earned your trust. None of that. God simply chose to be with him, and he chose to love him, and, and he decided that he was going to bless him, and God has shown us that same love. We don't have a claim on his love. He just decides to pour it out on us anyway. He is right here. And if you look at that promise, what you'll see is that God was promising Jacob, I'll be with you wherever you go. And I will take care of you, whatever your need. And I will be your protector and I will be your companion. Every single day of your life, God says, I will be with you right there supplying your need. Those are promises he makes to us. We can trust God, that God is here. And then God confirms his promise to Jacob. God really is with Jacob. And he really does provide for Jacob, and he really does lead Jacob. It's a hard road, but God never leaves him, and he never forsakes him. Jacob always has access to God. And what's interesting is that the longer they journey together, the character of Jacob does grow. And the, the, um, it's as if God, the more time they spend together, Jacob gets... Um, uh, he just grows. He's on the journey spiritually, and God does his work, and God brings conviction, and God brings growth, and God brings character, and that's true in your life as well. It's true in mine. See, the scripture says in Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God's not done with you yet. He is with you. He is here, and he is growing us and developing us as we trust him with our dreams, as we walk with him. And it's exactly what Jacob wanted to hear in this time of loneliness, of fear, of distress, all the things in his life that had been stripped away from him. And here is God saying, I know you don't have anything right now, but you have me. I'm right here with you. Some of you needed to hear that today. God is with you. No matter what you're facing no matter, no matter what you've done, no matter what road you've walked, God is with you, and God loves you, and God will be with you, and he will protect you, and he will lead you on, and he will be faithful to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in your life, okay? God is here. He is with you. We can trust him with our dreams. 
Second fill-in is that not only is God here with us, but we remember that God is the one who has made us. We can trust him with our dreams because God is the one who has crafted us and shaped us. He has sculpted us. He has molded us. That he's the one who has made us who we are and how we are, and so we can trust him with the dreams that we have. And the scripture says in Psalm 33, 13, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on the earth. So he, he looks at everybody, right? He sees it all. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. God made your heart. He knows you, right? He, he sees all of us. He knows all of us. And he understands all of us. Why? Because he's the one who has made our hearts. He knows exactly how you're wired. He knows exactly the gifts that you had and the talents that you were born with and the skills that you've developed and the passion that you have. He knows your upbringing and your experiences, your brokenness. He has made you and he has been with you every step of the way. And so he knows your heart. Friends, I would argue he knows it infinitely better than you know it yourself. And that's why you can trust God with your dreams. Because God is with you and because God has made you. And the third fill-in here is God knows the dreams that he has planted within our hearts. Not only has he made our hearts, but he knows the dreams that we have. Jeremiah 29, 11. God is speaking. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a hope, a future and a hope. Now, what's... Interesting about our dreams is that often we ask the question, uh, can our dreams get sidetracked? Can they get delayed and can they get broken? And the answer is yes. In fact, next week, that's the topic that we're going to unpack is what does it look like? What do we do with our broken dreams? How do we we move forward in that reality? I'm excited about taking a look at that. But I want you to understand that this is Jeremiah 29, 11. It's God speaking hope and future into his people, into us by proxy. But what's interesting is even as he was speaking these words over his own people, the Israelites, they were being led into captivity in Babylon. They thought that it was the very end of their dreaming. They thought it was all over. Our nation is destroyed. We're being led into slavery. They thought there are no more dreams. It was the trail of tears. And God said, no, no, you think your dreaming is at its end. And I want you to understand it is just beginning. Because I know the plans I have for you. And that's true for your life as well. We know the plans. Or or we don't know the plans that God has for us. But we know that God has plans for us. That he knows the dreams that he's put into our heart. He wants to meet us there and lead us into our dreams. And, and so you just recognize that God is a God of blessing. God is a father who loves to bless his children. Part of our problem as humans is that we don't trust that God wants to bless us. We don't trust that God's heart for us is good and that he longs to pour his blessing out on us. And he loves to birth dreams in our hearts and then see us fulfill those dreams. And, and, and so we don't trust that God is like that. And so we take matters into our own hands. That's what Jacob did. 
We don't trust that God's going to be the one to lead us into our dreams, so we grab on with both hands, and we're the ones who are scheming and conniving. We're the ones who are plotting and grabbing, and, and we've got to just let that go. You know, Jacob, that's exactly the kind of person that he was, and that's the kind of thing that he did. He just gathered it all to himself. As much as he could grab, he grabbed it as quickly as he could. Didn't matter who he had to swindle in the process, who he had to steal, you know, steal from, the whole bit. And yet, that led him to a place of absolute isolation, close to despair. And once he ceased his striving, and he, he literally, he was asleep, then God met him and said, I have a dream for you. See, friends, I think we have to stop striving with God, and we have to stop doing it on our own strength and by our own power. We have to stop going our own direction. We have to just, just stop doing it on our own strength. And let God meet us. Let him birth a dream in our heart. Let him meet us in our rest and say, no, I have a dream for you. I have a plan for your life, and I will lead you to it. So I just, I want you to understand that that we need to stop fighting to do things by our own effort, by our own strength, and rather invite his presence into our life, right? We walk in intimacy with him, and we ask him to reveal a new dream and a new promise and a new blessing and a new assurance Friends, we have permission to dream. And so I just want to say this really, really clearly, that uh, the Scripture says, this is in Psalm uh, 37. I think I might have skipped this verse. But the Scripture tells us that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, yeah, it's Psalm 37, 3 through 5, that we take delight in the Lord, and He will give us our heart's desires. Okay, think about that for a few moments. Right? The Scripture says, trust in the Lord and do good, Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. So not only is dreaming universal, we're all dreamers, not only is it intergenerational, but it is biblical that we're to dream. And the scripture says when we take delight in the Lord, he will give us our heart's desires. So at the very front end of of this conversation about dreaming, I just want to say to you, you do realize that God himself is the prize, right? That intimacy with God himself, that's the prize. That's why the scripture says take delight in the Lord. We delight ourselves in the Lord. That's the first thing that we do. You just have to realize this, friends. That, that God himself is the prize of all this thing. No matter what your dreams are, no matter what it is that we want to accomplish in life, that God himself, intimacy with God is the prize. And I've said it before and I'll say it again because the truth of the matter is if you're not interested in intimacy with God, why would you want to go to heaven? He's going to be there. You're going to run into each other in the hallways. It's going to be awkward, you know, like, ah, oh God, sorry, you know, like, no, of course, like, the, the prize is intimacy with God. That's the prize. Living with an awareness of his presence and his favor and his blessing over our lives, that's the prize. And I don't always live there, but when I live there, I have the most hope and the most joy and the most peace and love just covers me and it actually flows from me well and it's all born out of intimacy with God. That's the prize. That's why we delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us our heart's desire, right? 
That's an amazing reality. And so I just want to encourage you to walk in it. I want to give you permission to dream. Several years ago, I was having this conversation with a group, and, and one, uh, I could tell by their facial expressions, not everyone was, was tracking with me. And in fact, one young gal, she was a mom. She had two kids under the age of two years old. And I could tell she wasn't buying any of this dream stuff. And so I said, hey, hey what's going on? What are you thinking about? And she said, well, Mike, my entire life is have to. From the wee hours of the morning, I have young voices crying for my attention. And it lasts all day long. And when I finally fall in bed at night, I am so exhausted. And I just pray for a couple of hours of uninterrupted sleep. She says, my entire life is have to. And I don't feel that there's any space in my life to dream. Then she said, and even if there was space to dream, I don't think it would do any good. Some of you are there. You are weary and you are burdened and you are weighed down by life. You just don't think there's any space to dream. And you don't think there's any point, even if you had space. You know, some... Some others of you, you, you discount the idea of God's dream in your heart because you think you're disqualified. Oh, Mike, you don't, you don't know the choices I've made. You don't know the thoughts that I've thought. You don't know the paths I've walked. You don't know the things I've pursued. No, no, no. God, God's done with me. He doesn't want anything to do with my dreams. Friend, I want to tell you, if you are here and you are weary and burdened, I want you to hear Jesus say, come to me. If you're here and you are ashamed and guilt-ridden, I want you to hear Jesus say, come to me. Because I want to take your burden and I want to take your sin away from you. And I want to give you rest. I want to stir a dream in your heart that you can pursue, that you can feel good about. I want you to release everything that's getting in the way so that I can stir my work in your heart so that you can live the life you're created and called to live like a fire in your bones. See, that's why we want to lay down our burdens and our worries. We want to lay down our fears. And, and so it actually says this in Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, right? Don't be worried. Don't be fearful. If, if you've got burdens, let's lay these things down in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Just pray about it. Leave it at, at the feet of Jesus. Because he loves you, and he is with you. He made you, and he planted a dream in your heart. And he wants you to delight yourself in him so that he can give you the desires of your heart. A pastor friend of mine, Pastor Roderick, lives in India. And in India, this is 15 years ago now, he, he started walking the slums of Delhi and he felt God stirring a dream in his heart. He felt God stirring a dream that each of these slums that he was walking through, praying through, that there would be able to be a church planted right in the midst of these slums where these, these folks who are hurting so badly and, and so desperate in life that they would actually have hope and healing and help through the person of Jesus Christ. He just began to have a dream. He began to pray about that dream and pursue that dream. And pretty soon there was a church in a slum and then another church and another slum and another and another. And it just kind of kept going. Many of you know this story. It's our partner, uh, Pastor Roderick in India. So then he got at a table and he spread out a, a map of the city of Delhi. 
And he had this map kind of spread out of the whole city, and he, he drew grids on the map. And each grid was a small little square, kind of, you know, graphed the whole thing out. And he prayed that God would put a church in every single one of those squares, at every coordinate. And God did. And continue to do. And now, many of you know the story of our partner in India that over 220,000 men and women have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, because the movement of God, God gave him a dream and now he stirred that dream. When I talked to Roderick about 18 months ago, he told me that he had now spread a map of India, the whole nation out. And he had drawn grids over the whole thing. And now he's praying that God would put a church in every single coordinate in the nation of India. Delight yourself in the Lord, and then dream his dreams. You see what he does, how he gives you your heart's desires, okay? Overlake, what what I want to give you more than anything else today is permission. What I want to give you more than anything else today is freedom. I want you to dream. I want us to be a church of dreamers, that um, that we would see God's visions, and that we would dream God's dreams, and that we would be fearless to pursue them in our lives. All right, so let's pray together. Lord, when it comes to uh, when it comes to dreams, we recognize before all things that you were the one who had a dream, and that your dream became reality. We're all benefit uh, benefactors of that dream. That we are all made in your image. We're all dreamers because you are a dreamer, and your dreams become reality. And we have your dreams in our hearts. We also recognize you had a dream for salvation, a dream for redemption, and Jesus carried that dream to reality. And so we're so thankful for that. And now, Lord, what we ask is that you would allow us to participate in your dream. What does it look like in our individual lives? What does it look like in the next seven days? What does it look like as we pay attention to the dreams that we feel you fostering within us? Lord, we know what it's like to have fire in our bones, and we just ask that you would allow us the gift of your spirit to give us clarity and to show us how we might take the next steps in order to pursue your dreams. We know where it starts. We know it starts with delighting in you. So right now, we proclaim our delight in you. We ask that you would show us how we might take delight in you so that you could fulfill the desires of our hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you.